Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. In their suit against the major pharmaceutical companies, tribes noted that Native Americans had the highest rate of opiate-related fatalities in the nation. Their efforts to hold the companies accountable just produced results with a $590 million settlement. That's in addition to separate settlements with states. We'll learn about what this means and how that money could offset some of the damage done by opiate abuse. That's all coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Leonard Peltier supporters rallied for his release in a handful of cities across the country Monday. They say he's at risk after getting COVID-19 in prison. Ariel Zions of South Dakota Public Broadcasting reports from Rapid City. Protesters marched through downtown and rallied in front of the federal courthouse to demand the release of Leonard Peltier. Rapid City is near the Pine Ridge Reservation, where FBI agents got in a shootout with members of the American Indian Movement in 1975. Peltier is serving two life sentences after being convicted of murdering agents Jack Kohler and Ronald Williams. Peltier has admitted to participating in the shooting, but says he didn't kill the agents. Supporters accuse the FBI and prosecutors of coercing witnesses and withholding evidence. The 77-year-old recently contracted COVID and has medical conditions that make him at risk of complications. Supporters want Peltier released under a home confinement program for high-risk inmates like himself. They're also calling on President Joe Biden to grant clemency. LaVon Roach says she relates to Peltier since she also had COVID in prison. The Rapid City woman served 23 years behind bars before President Donald Trump granted her clemency. The medical care in federal prisons is the worst you'll ever experience. I almost died two times in federal prison. Supporters say Peltier got COVID-19 after being denied a booster shot. And they say he hasn't been able to speak with his lawyer since January 29th. Every federal prison went into lockdown that day due to a deadly riot in Texas. The Bureau of Prisons says it's providing boosters, and it says it makes attorneys available during lockdowns on a case-by-case basis. The agency did not answer questions about Peltier. For National Native News, I'm Ariel Zients. A city in Minnesota is planning to rename a park and may pay select Native people for their input. The Pioneer Press reports the city of Roseville wants to rename Pocahontas Park. The Parks and Recreation Commission has been considering the change since a youth commissioner suggested it in 2020. Commissioners told the city council Monday a majority of comments from the public favor the change, pointing to inaccurate and stereotypical imagery often associated with Pocahontas. The commission is considering a stipend for Native Americans to take part in the renaming process. Some commissioners say the payment is no different than paying consultants for guidance. No dollar amount or time frame has been set for the renaming process. The Spirit Lake Tribe, the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians, and individual voters filed a lawsuit Monday in U.S. District Court for the District of North Dakota. They're challenging North Dakota's new legislative map, 
They say redistricting has split up Turtle Mountain citizens into two sub-districts and Spirit Lake in one district. Tribal leaders had asked for the two tribes to be drawn into the same district. Plaintiffs say they're limited in electing state legislative seats. The lawsuit alleges violation of the Voting Rights Act. The Native American Rights Fund is among law groups representing the plaintiffs. Fort Lewis College and the University of Colorado College of Nursing announced a new partnership Monday. They're teaming up on a four-year undergraduate degree in nursing, bringing the Medical Institute to Fort Lewis, which serves rural and indigenous students in southwest Colorado. The first cohort is expected to begin in the fall of 2023. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanaka Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications for the upcoming school year are now accepted at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org assessme. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The recent settlement, totaling more than a half a billion dollars among tribes and four pharmaceutical companies over the opiate crisis, has a number of important takeaways. First, it offers the promise of healing for Native Americans and Alaska Natives who are disproportionately affected by opiate addiction. Second, the settlement represents the first time tribes have used their collective power to reach a legal outcome beyond what states are working toward. We'll hear more about this hour about both the human toll opiates have taken on Native nations and legal strategies to hold drug companies accountable. We'll also talk about the prospect of new and strengthened treatment and prevention efforts made possible because of the settlement. Of course, what happens depends on tribes coming to an agreement on administering the settlement money. What hopes do you have for healing from the opiate crisis? Are you encouraged by the United Front presented by hundreds of tribes to get us to this point? Give us a call, join the conversation. The number, as always, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Folks, we've got a full group of guests on our show today. In fact, enough to make a basketball team starting lineup. Joining us first from Iowa City, Iowa, is Kevin Washburn. He's the dean at the University of Iowa Law School and a member of the National Opiate Litigation Implementation and Coordination Team. He's a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation. Kevin, welcome back to Native America Calling. Happy to be here, thank you. You bet. Kevin, last week, this announcement, the settlement just shy of $600 million to tribes seriously impacted by the opiate crisis. Where do we go from here? What's the process for approving the settlement and distributing the money among tribes? 
Well, there are numerous steps, but um, the um, whole team is, is committed to trying to go through those steps as quickly as possible to get the, um, you know, get the funds set up. It, it, it'll be a, some time before the funds are fully funded. The, uh, one of them will be funded in two years and the other one fully funded in six years. But as that money comes in, it'll be the goal of my colleagues and I to try to get that money out as quickly as possible, um, as you know, pursuant to the wishes of the the tribes and the and the attorneys that represented the tribes, and making sure that this fund, um, this these monies make a difference quickly. Okay. Now I understand ninety five percent of the four, excuse me, the five hundred and seventy four federally recognized tribes must agree. So what is the forum for reaching this consensus? Well, I would uh, call it hand-to-hand combat to some degree. Make sure that every <laughs> a lot of the tribes are already on board and they've been, you know, well advised by their attorneys. You know, this was, you know, these these processes are led by attorneys and we're fortunate that we've got some wonderful attorneys representing Indian country and they have, you know, for years these kinds of mass tort litigation settlements have happened, but tribes haven't been at the table. And so we've got some really good attorneys on the tribal leadership committee that have been making sure that, you know, our tribes are there, but not all of our tribes have been paying attention. And so really what it is, is it's making, you know, reaching out to tribes and making sure that they understand what's in it for them. And, you know, that there's some resources here that, that will be able to help them. And, um, so, you know, your show is the, probably the first step. Being on Native American Calling is one way to get the word out and make sure Native people are paying attention. So that's, but it, it again, hand-to-hand combat, talking to people one-on-one and trying to make sure that they understand that there are some resources here if they want to participate. Okay, sure. And, you know, we hear $590 million. That sounds like a huge amount of money, but when we spread that out amongst nearly almost 575 tribes. I mean, it's roughly maybe give or take about a million dollars per tribe, uh, depending on whether or not that's the strategy or the formula used to to distribute the funds. But I'm curious, let's say, for example, each tribe gets about a million dollars. And when we think of such a, a huge issue, such a huge challenge combating opiate addiction in our tribal communities and our tribal nations, is that a meaningful amount of money for tribes to really make a, a dent in this crisis, do you think? Well, let me say, it's going to be, it's not going to be distributed, you know, an equal amount per tribe because we've got a, you know, we've got the Cherokee Nation and I know we got the principal chief on soon, but, and then we've got very small tribes. And so it wouldn't be fair um, to distribute the same amount to each tribe. So there's an allocation formula that's being worked out that will ensure that tribes with larger populations will have access to more of the resources because they've got a bigger share of the problem. Um, but that's, yeah, so it's, it, it's challenging. I, nobody, you know, this opioid crisis has been so serious. No amount of money can, you know, fix the holes in our community and, and the loss of loved ones um, to this crisis. But there are some funds here that tribes will be able to use for some very good purposes to help support people with opioid addiction, um, help support the children of people with opioid addiction, even people that have um, get, gotten caught up in the criminal justice system because of their opioid addiction. I mean, there, you know, there's some, there's some good resources here. It'll be up to tribes as to which of the purposes they want to use, but they will be needing to use these funds for 
purposes of abating the opioid crisis. And there's a, if that's a target-rich environment, there is a lot of crisis that needs to be abated. And again, no amount of money can really, you know, fully address this. But you know, this is a good step. Okay. Well, Kevin, thank you for that background and, and setting the tone for today's conversation. Let's go ahead and hear from one of our tribal leaders on the show today. Joining us from Tahlequah, Oklahoma, is Chuck Hoskin, Jr. He's the Principal Chief of the Cherokee Nation. Welcome back to NAC, Principal Chief Hoskin. Hey, great to be with you again. Principal Chief, now Cherokee Nation has a different settlement than the one that was just announced. I believe it's $75 million. How did that come about? That's correct. We really took uh, some pioneering effort uh, in the area of uh, opioid litigation in terms of a tribe uh, asserting its rights uh, in court. Uh, that led to a successful settlement last fall, $75 million against uh, McKesson, uh, Ameris, Amerisource Bergen Drug Corporation, and Cardinal Health. So that was fall of last year. Now, we'll be a part of this really historic uh, settlement uh, that you were just uh, talking uh, with Mr. Washburn about. Uh, that's just really an incredible feat uh, and so meaningful. So we'll be a part of that, but uh, we also have the earlier settlement. So, you know, $75 million from our earlier settlement, we'll have a portion of this $590 million settlement. We think it'll be around $18 million. I know that's still to be worked out. So anyway, having the resources to now uh, do something meaningful in terms of healing, well, that's really important. It's an important moment, I think, for Indian country. Principal Chief, how do you folks plan to allocate the funds? What are their priorities? Well, we've got to do some healing, and that means making sure that the health services that the Cherokee people need that have suffered uh, from uh, the opioid epidemic get addressed. I was just in a meeting right before uh, this call with our health leadership team on a number of issues, and the issue that always comes up is mental health, behavioral health. Our system, just to give folks a, a sense of the size of our system, so our overall health system, we see over a million patient visits a year. Just in behavioral health, uh, I think these stats are from uh, last year, 2021. Uh, about 49,000 patient visits. These are just Cherokees coming in to see someone for behavioral health. Now, it's not all attributable to addiction issues, but sadly, much of it is. We see those numbers increase over time. So what do we need to do? We need to expand our capacity because for those uh, 49 some odd thousand patient visits last year, I know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of more Cherokees that are suffering, and we've got to scale up the system that we have. That means these dollars, I mean, these real dollars we're talking about, so $75 million in our settlement uh, uh, from last fall, then that'll come over time, and then the potential $18 million from this larger settlement. We're literally going to build up health care facilities uh, for behavioral health, and, and we know the impact that the opioid ep epidemic has had. It, first of all, it's cost a lot of lives. Second of all, those lives that uh, are, are those folks that are still alive, they're scarred, they're suffering, uh, people with great potential, young people often just taken off track in their life because of these addictive substances and the conduct of uh, this opioid industry. And then the family members that are affected by this. I mean, everybody's touched by it. And if you've been touched by it, you know that even if you didn't directly suffer from addiction, it takes a toll on you. Uh, and that mm -hmm. toll has to be addressed through healthcare. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start more healing uh, processes by building more facilities, and we're going to use this money to do it. Well, Principal Chief, you mentioned the loss of life. And, you know, according to federal data, 
in the 20-year period between 1999 to 2019, nearly half a million people in the U.S. died from overdoses of prescription and illegal opiates. It's also been documented how frighteningly addictive opiates are, relapse rates close to 100%. So I'm curious, when did um, Cherokee Nation recognize that these opiates were creating a public health crisis there amongst your people? Yeah, you know, I get that question a lot. It's a very good question. Sometimes I liken it to, uh, you know, being in a, a pot of water and the heat gets turned up and slowly over time it starts to boil. Uh, and then you you know, sort of you, you realize this is a uh, catastrophic situation that you're in, but it takes a little while to start to, to put put it all together and realize what you're what you're into. Couldn't pinpoint the date, but I can tell you uh, during the last chief's administration, I worked for Chief Bill John Baker, his attorney general at the time was Todd Hembree today, our attorney general, Sarah Hill. They really started to look at what we, A, were expending on behavioral health and seeing that number go up and then talking to health leadership. And so this is probably around the, you know, 2000, uh, 2012, 2013, 2014 time period. Uh, and when you start to talk to people in health care that are that are trying to help people you really get a sense of the precise nature of the suffering and that uh, these are highly addictive substances you start to read what you read in the news around that time frame I think the country was starting to become more aware of how addictive these substances were uh, and we started to piece it together we started to look at the the financial impact on the nation which honestly is just uh, part of the damage here and we started to think look there has been some injury done here and for every injury there ought to be a remedy. Let's go find a remedy. So it was around that time frame that we started to focus on it. Uh, I've continued those efforts as, as chief and our new uh, attorney general has uh, has brought this to uh, at least uh, one completion with our settlement. So I think we're like the rest of the country. We're seeing it slowly evolve over time. Okay. Well, folks, you're listening to Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin, Cherokee Nation. And we have other tribal leaders and legal experts today talking about the opiate crisis. You're listening to Native America Calling. We'll be back right after the break. The Tulsa Race Massacre 100 years ago ended a period of prosperity for what was known as Black Wall Street. We'll learn how Native Americans in Oklahoma were instrumental leading up to that time in setting the stage for building wealth among African Americans. That's on the next Native America Calling. Looking to get your high school diploma? Southwestern Indian Polytechnic Institute offers Native Americans ages 18 or older training and preparation courses for the high school equivalency diplomas in person and online beginning May 4th. All attendance and testing fees for this program are waived and resources will be available to help with supplies and living expenses. Space is limited. Application deadline is April 8th. More by calling 505-382-4287 or at sipi.edu who support this show. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Among Native nations, the recent opiate crisis is linked to overdose deaths, increased rates of children in foster care, higher numbers of homelessness, and people dropping out of the workforce. It's also put a strain on addiction treatment programs. Today we're learning about the recently announced settlement among tribes and pharmaceutical companies, and we want to know what you think. What do you want to happen in light of the $590 million settlement? Call in with your take, the number to reach us, 1-800-996-2848. Before we went to break, we were listening to Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. of Cherokee Nation and talking about 
his tribe's efforts to combat opiate abuse and how they're going to manage the settlement monies. And Principal Chief, I realize that you are on limited time today. You've got a busy schedule, so I want to thank you for joining the show today. And I'm hoping you have time for one more question. Can I ask you one more? Absolutely. Principal Chief, what does the future look like now in light of this new legal settlement? Well, I think it looks more hopeful. You know, sometimes I think about how far we've come in healthcare in Indian country. We've come a long way, certainly in the Cherokee Nation. Um, the gap we have, though, in the Cherokee Nation is we don't do enough for addiction treatment. We don't do enough for mental health. We've got a talented workforce uh, in terms of our mental health team, but we need to do more, and we need to do it in a way that's culturally sensitive. So gone are the days when it'll be a top-down Indian Health Service model of they provide what we need. We can create a new in. Cherokee Nation and other tribes can and are doing it, a behavioral health system, a mental health system, a drug addiction system that fits the needs of our people, that goes where they are. We can accelerate plans we've already had because of this settlement. And I want people to know that, you know, settlements you hear about in the news all the time, this is an historic settlement. This is going to change lives. It's going to save lives. It makes me hopeful as a tribal leader. It's not going to fund all of it, but it is going to uh, get us so far down the road, so much quicker uh, in helping our people, again, in a way that tribes want to craft these programs. So I'm very hopeful. Okay. Well, Principal Chief Chuck, Chuck Hoskin, Jr., again, thank you for joining the show today. Folks, let's get another legal opinion on these issues. Joining us from Anchorage, Alaska, we have Lloyd Miller, a lead attorney in the National Opiate Litigation and a partner with the Sanosky Chambers Saxe Anderson and Perry Law Firm. He had a central role in ongoing opiate litigation, both as a court-appointed member of the Tribal Leadership Committee and as the Tribal Representative on the Plaintiff Steering Committee in the related McKinsey litigation. Welcome to the show, Lloyd. Welcome. Good morning. I do want to provide a note of disclosure. Sanofsky Chambers is a financial sponsor of Native America Calling's parent company, Kahanic Broadcast Corporation. Lloyd, this settlement, it follows a larger settlement, $26 billion, in fact, that was reached last summer among these same four companies in eight states. Is this unusual to have separate settlements for tribes as opposed to states? What's the advantage there for going this route? Well, it's not only unusual, it's unprecedented. Two decades ago in the tobacco litigation, there were only settlements with the states and tribes were excluded entirely. They weren't part of the state settlements. They weren't part of any resolution of tobacco claims. The result was that tribes had to go seeking grants from uh, state and federal agencies in the hopes of pulling together enough funding to deal with nicotine addiction and tobacco abatement uh, initiatives in their communities. What's unprecedented about this case is to see 80% of Indian country come together in litigation and and be able to negotiate a separate settlement, separate and apart from what the states were up to. And that has really caused a, a, a tremendous development in the legal uh, in the legal regime governing lawsuits by tribes and the stature of tribes in the courts vis-a-vis -vis defendants, companies that cause harm in Indian country. Okay. Now, Lloyd, you represented 120 tribes, if, I, if I'm correct, and how do the remaining tribes get involved in the settlement? 
Well, there are over 400 tribes involved in the litigation. As I mentioned earlier, about 80 percent of Indian country by population is involved in the litigation, so uh, over 80 percent. So when we talk about 95 percent of Indian country needing to participate in the settlement in order for it to be activated, we are already uh, because a large team of lawyers in consultation with their clients have been negotiating with these four companies. Okay. All right. And Lloyd, I'm, I'm interested in knowing the message here. What, what does it send? Is, is there accountability if the pharmaceutical companies don't admit fault? Because at this point, they have not admitted fault, correct? I've been litigating for over four decades. I've never settled a case against the United States or anyone else who admitted liability. Uh, it just doesn't happen. But the payment of the fund speaks for itself. And the payment of over half a billion dollars, really $665 million, including the Cherokee funds, uh, speaks more loudly than anything. The, the allocations in the Purdue bankruptcy speaks more loudly than anything. So I think it's clear that these companies engaged in conduct a really predatory conduct on individuals who were who were led to addictions. They were led to addiction because it would make money for the manufacturers of these drugs, the distributors of these drugs, and the pharmacy chains that were ultimately uh, providing these drugs and filling prescriptions. They had every reason to know were excessive prescriptions or false prescriptions. Uh, so there's plenty of blame across the industry for taking advantage. Uh, in a killing way of Indian peoples. And I think the, the resolution that we have today is goes a long way toward starting to compensate for that terrible, terrible injury. The fact of the matter is that no amount of money is going to be able to compensate for lost lives. People we all know who've died of overdoses, the tragedies of families, the tragedies of children who've been removed from families because their parents were addicted to opioids. But it is a start. And by the end of this litigation, there'll probably be a billion dollars, if not more. And that also is a start. It is not a complete uh, answer to what has happened, but at least there's some acknowledgement of responsibility through those payments. And as Chief Hoskin was explaining, a real ability for tribes to commence and, and uh, reinvigorate their behavioral health programs, which have been given a shot in the arm by Congress, but in a much smaller amount of resources. So I'm optimistic that with the litigation settlement, Indian country will be able to turn the tide on opioid addiction. Okay. Yes, certainly turn the tide on opioid addiction. I think that's what we all want first and foremost. And thank you again, Lloyd, for that background. Let's bring in another tribal leader into our conversation. Joining us now from Fort Totten, North Dakota, is Douglas Yankton Sr. He's the chairman of the Spirit Lake Tribe. Welcome back to NAC, Chairman Yankton. Hey, thanks for having me back again. Uh, appreciate it. Chairman Yankton, hello. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear okay. me? Well, actually, Lloyd, I'm going to go ahead and bring you back into the conversation quickly. I'm sorry for that little uh, detour there. But I did want to ask you, Lloyd, regarding the timeline of these payments. Now, it's going to be different than that larger settlement that we mentioned earlier with the states. Johnson & Johnson will pay the tribes its portion of the settlement over two years. 
Uh, Amerisource Bergen, Cardinal Health, and McKesson will pay their portion over six and a half years, which is a quick turnaround compared to those settlements with the state and local governments, which are being paid over nine and 18 years, respectively. Lloyd, what is the reason for this shorter time frame? Well, the amount of the reason for the shorter time frame is the need to get these funds out to Indian country. There was discussion much earlier in the negotiations about having tribal settlements parallel to state settlements, and for us that was a non-starter. The amount of, of, of resources needed in Indian country uh, actually eclipses the amount needed in uh, in other in non-Indian communities. Consider that the uh, opioid addiction situation is worse in Indian country than anywhere. Indian women are almost nine times as likely to have an opioid um, uh, use disorder uh, and many more times more likely to give birth to a neonatal abstinence syndrome baby. So we needed to get resources into Indian country quickly. 18 years was not going to cut it. Uh, We would have preferred to see the monies all paid in one year so that the tribal legislatures could decide how to spend those monies over a period of years. Obviously, it's a problem that uh, takes more than one year to address. For many people, it will be a lifetime of treatment. Um, In the end, we were able to negotiate a very rapid payment with Johnson & Johnson and a reasonably rapid payment, six and a half years, uh, with the three distributors. But that was a critical component of the settlement in addition to the absolute uh, dollar amounts. Okay. Well, thanks again, Lloyd. And let's go back and and bring uh, Chairman Douglas Yankton Sr. into the conversation. Chairman Yankton, can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? I sure can. Hello. Welcome back to NEC, Chairman. Hello. I yeah, can hear you. thank you. Yeah, thank Yep, all right. Thank you. I lost connection here a little bit, but thank you for having me back here again. Well, you bet. We're really happy to have you on the show. And I want to ask you, Chairman Yankton, settlement funds available as early as 30 days from the time that a majority tribal agreement is reached. And I want to ask, does your tribe have plans in place already for opiate mitigation or treatment programs? Um, we don't We don't currently have the plans in place, but, you know, once we heard about the, the settlement, um, the, the first thing I did was I met with our tribal health departments, our clinical departments, and our mental health groups um, that offer services here. And so, you know, we're currently um, having all these different organizations work on, um, you know, some of the plans for, I, I don't know, we don't know an amount of dollars we're going to get, you know, but some of the plans when I visited with a couple of the uh, directors or the program leaders was, you know, simply as one of the statements I made, you know, that, you know, the the initial settlement, the first rounds will, will be help, you know, they'll be helpful um, for us on the reservation, but we want to base our forms of opioid treatment services towards our cultural, you know, that's culturally appropriate for us, um, along with the spirituality and the reimplementation of what we are as Dakota people and how we should be as Dakota people. Obviously, there's modern medicines today that lead to these addictions, um, you know, but if we can help treat them and get them off and uh, kind of re-implement that, that identity as to who and what we are as, you know, the people of our nation as Dakota people, you know. So that's kind of the, 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 the direction I wanted my team to go into when we 
when we start putting these plans together, obviously we can find the treatment facilities for the people, but it's when they're coming home um, and they relapse. We we want to try mm-hmm. to avoid that relapsation, you know. Okay. So hopefully, you know, we, we in the next uh, couple months here, um, <clears throat> as it gets closer to um, – getting our first round of disbursements that will have plans in place, you know, to address these uh, issues that were created, you know, through the addictions of a lot of them is started out probably in, you know, I could only speak for my tribe in my area with um, pharmaceutical, you know, prescriptions. And uh-huh. then one thing leads to another uh, and another and another and you know, so okay. it's kind of where we're at today. Well, I'm curious, Chairman Yankton, I mean, what what are the effects that you've seen due to opiate abuse there at Spirit Lake? Oh, she's, you know, um, I, I'd probably have to be on the phone for an hour with you, um, you know, but just to name a few, um, you have uh, broken families, you have uh, mistrust of families, um, you have homelessness. Um, and, and the list goes on and on of, as to what it's created, you know. And, and, right. and it's it's going to be tough, you know. You know, even for, you know, back in the day um, when our addiction was alcohol for a majority of our people, that created all these same things that it's creating today with the opioids. But the opioids is just a little worse because we have our own people abusing, stealing, you know, and the list goes on. Yeah, and it's interesting that you draw that parallel between opiates and alcohol because, you know, I, I remember growing up, and, and this is what kind of discourages me, is I remember seeing how devastating alcohol could be to Native communities, and, and now on a personal level, I do see Native people drinking less, and that makes me happy, but I worry that it what's happening really is that they're just moving to these other types of, of drugs, and some of which are even more addicting and harmful than alcohol, if that's even possible. And so I wonder, you know, the battle against opiates, how is it different than the fight against alcohol and earlier drugs, or, or is it different? Can you speak to that, Chairman? Well, I, I think, you know, as today in regards to alcohol usage, and today I, I see, you know, I, I'm I don't want to say I'm a recovering addict, but I used to drink alcohol when I was younger, and I have it now going on 16 years. But I see today when, when with the alcohol use, a lot more responsibility, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to drinking and driving, or I don't hear as to as many abuse cases as I did, you know, 30 years, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. You know, since since my lifetime, so it we have become a little more responsible when it comes to the use of alcohol, and then it just transitioned into not being responsible when it comes to um, the simple use of our medications. Um, even okay. the, the people that were prescribed the medicine started abusing the medicine, and then or, or started selling it, uh, whatever. Um, you know, and, and so a lot of that is brought on by the colonization of putting us on reservations where they wanted you to be, um, you know, here, but 
they didn't give you offer you anything in regards to any type of uh, securities for jobs, employment, or whatever. Um, you know, I was just having a discussion this morning with a tribal uh, fellow tribal uh, member. So they created and they put us on reservations, and then they created a job relocation act and sent you off the reservation to go try to find a job. But why couldn't they do that here? Create the jobs here, you know. So there's a lot of issues I have with the, the federal government when it comes to, you know, specifically my tribe, a treaty tribe. Um, they want to implement all of these programs, when, but when in the treaty it says that these will be provided. These are services that will be provided for your people if you quit warring with us and you stay here isolated. But now everything is through uh, government programs, housing programs, uh, heating assistant programs. And nowhere in our treaties does it say, oh, but if you, if you are on a limited income, then you can qualify. You know, so it's it's always all this bureaucracy, the red tape for our tribal members of of the, especially like I said, the, the treaty tribes. Folks, we are listening to Chairman Douglas Yankton Sr. of the Spirit Lake Tribe in North Dakota, as well as other tribal leaders and legal experts, again, talking about the opiate crisis in Indian country. Give us a call if you have a question or comment for today's show, 1-800-996-2848. We'll be back right after break. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Stronghearts Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling one 844 native or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Stronghearts Native Helpline. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about the recent $590 million opiate settlement with tribes, and there's still time to join our discussion. The number to call, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Before we went to break, we were listening to Chairman Yankton talking about how his tribe plans to address these issues with opiate crises and, and related matters. And Chairman, I know that your time is limited as well. So I, I would like to ask you one more question, though, before you have to go. And I, I'm interested, you mentioned culture as one of the main tenets of your strategy to combat this public health crisis that you're facing with opiates. And uh, I'm interested in what else will it take to turn things around when it comes to something so powerful as opiate addiction? Um, I think, you know, one of the main things that it's going to take, it's going to take um, support. Support from the community, from the families, you know, um, and, and try to help our our members and our, our relatives, you know. Um, I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys is, is we have to help, you know, and try to support these people, um, on recovering, not criticize and belittle and ridicule. Um, you know, it, it's an addiction. Um, and the, the biggest way is to help these, our, our relatives, is to support them and help them to stay and maintain that sobriety. Okay. 
And I'm sorry, I'm just going to ask you one more quick follow-up, because I, I know you did express some mistrust of the federal government earlier, and does this settlement give you hope, Chairman? Um, it does in a sense, but it's unfortunate, you know, for a lot of of the the, the tribes um, in the country, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to either file suits on our own behalf or join class action suits to address issues, and it shouldn't be that way. You know, right. it should not be that way. Um, and, and so it's, it's a little um, disheartening that we have to come to these types of uh, terms on having to file suits or join suits. But if that's what it's going to take to um, help Indian country, I guess that's what we have to do. Well, again, thank you, Chairman Yankton, for your time on our show today. Folks, let's go to another tribal leader further west. Joining us from Squim, Washington, we have W. Ron Allen. He's the tribal chair and CEO for the Jamestown Sklalem Tribe. Chairman Allen, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, Chairman. Uh, Chairman Allen, you folks are about two weeks away, as I understand it, from opening a treatment center. How will your tribal citizens benefit from this settlement? Well, um, because we're a small tribe uh, compared to uh, Spirit Lake or, or Cherokee Nation and, and Navajo, et cetera, uh, we don't expect to get a lot. Uh, we have a lot of confidence and trust in Kevin and Mary and uh, 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 Kathy uh, who are going to work with the tribes on finding a, a settlement um, distribution methodology, um, but uh, uh, we're being very proactive. Um, we we have the same kinds of challenges that the other tribes have. We have the same kinds of opiate abuse and dependency, uh, uh, and uh, as well as other substance abuse dependencies, uh, heroin and and meth and and uh, and so forth. And alcoholism is, is still around it's not it hasn't disappeared um so this this program that we're, we're uh developing or have been developing now for the last two years um is, is focused in on opiate and so uh, it's not cheap um, when you're trying to recruit the, um, the, the medical professionals who fully understand um, how individuals um, physically, uh, mentally, and spiritually get dependent on opiates and, and other substance, uh, substances such as heroin. And, and so we're following the lead of, of uh, other tribes like the Swinomish up in my state, uh, who put together to put together our healing center, and uh, it's intended to be holistic. Um, it's a lot like what Chief Hoskins and and uh, uh, Chair Yankin uh, uh, characterize in terms of <clears throat> how to heal the the individuals, and then including the families around them. So uh, we've designed a uh, a program uh, that is going to serve our, our people and 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 many of the people around us, including the non-Indians who work for us the community that we live within, and it's targeted at, um, you know, uh, understanding exactly what got them to where they are and how we can help them um, come out of it. And so when I say holistic, it's, it's not just the dependency itself. It's the physical dependency. It's, it's, it's understanding the, 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 uh, why you are dependent. And then it's also uh, providing the counseling kinds of services. Um, and it's also inclusive of uh, uh, dental uh, because many have oral problems, and then the 
oral problems cause them to become dependent on opiates um, to, to treat the oral problems. And it's not the only one, but it, but it's a it's among the symptoms uh, that have uh, have been a, a problem for our community. So we're being proactive. This is costing us around 17 million. We and we didn't get um, IHS money. We had to go out and borrow it. We couldn't wait for IHS to provide resources or or uh, other uh, uh, federal uh, or and or state resources. So we're doing this on our own. And uh, so that's and, and so the opiate settlement will just apply that money to this project, and and uh, it'll it'll help uh, help you know reduce that that kind of a, of a, a fiscal expense. Okay, well, Chairman Allen, I want to congratulate you on this new treatment center, and you mentioned that you are a smaller tribe and you've actually had to borrow money to to create these programs and to start these initiatives and i'm i'm curious to know uh what is the most equitable method for distributing the settle money settlement money to tribes from your standpoint well i uh, uh... I, I understood um, Chief Hoskins' uh, point. Uh, you know, the, when you have a large tribe like his, which is, I think, in the 350 plus uh, citizens, Navajo, uh, just over 400, and and then the the, the uh, Lakota, Dakota, and Nakota's tribes. You know, they, they all range. You know, in the 40, 50, 60, 70 thousand citizens. So they're big. Um, and so, but the question is, is that you can't you can't distribute the money in a way that pushes all of us small tribes off the bench. So there has to be some sort of a base. You know, somebody made a comment, well, is, you know, 590, does every does everybody tribe get a million? No, it won't be that way. Uh, it'll be very similar to how they handle CARES money, how the feds handle, handle CARES money. This is the private sector money that we're talking about now. And uh, so they'll, they'll come up with a methodology that will provide probably a base, um, a, a probably driven primarily by citizens who you're serving, um, could be land-based because you <clears throat> you might have to serve people in, in a large geographical area um, so that you got those kind of factors as well. And, and there may be some other medical um, current conditions that uh, help um, – uh, factor in how severe is it in your community? Um, what, what's the percentage of opiate challenges that you have in your community uh, rep, uh, based on the number of citizens you serve? Um, there could be that kind of a factor. And I'm, I, I trust that Kevin and, and, uh, uh, and the, Mary and, and Kathy, the, uh, they, they will talk to the tribal leadership, they'll consult with us, and then we will help them shape out um, the best possible formula uh, that can happen. But you've got to have a base. So whether it's a small tribe like mine in Washington State or another smaller tribe up in uh, northern slopes of Alaska, um, or you, you, you come down to the lower 48, um, crisscrossing uh, Indian country. So there's no magical formula, Sean, uh, but, but uh, I think one of the things that we're going to be encouraged are going to try to encourage is make a decision. Do the best you can, but make a decision. Get the money out. Uh, Chief Hoskins' point is get the money to the tribes so they can start doing some constructive uh, and progressive work to solve the problems that uh, we're, we are struggling with. Okay. Thank you, Chairman W. Ron Allen. Folks, we have a caller on the line listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico on KUNM. 
Mervin, you're on the air. Yes, hello. Um, thank you uh, for uh, bringing this out. Uh, I love uh, Native American calling. The uh, settlement, uh, 575 tribes with uh, $590 million, is a big task because one of the first and foremost strategies or tactics used against Native Americans has always been the divide and conquer tactic. Uh, what we need to do is come together in unity. We need to figure this out, uh, for, first of all, because our future is at stake as tribes. We don't know what the American government is going to do uh, to honor or dishonor the treaties that are in place. But we as tribes, we have our land base. We have our own spiritual directions. And that would be the greatest lead that we can take is from our own cultural backgrounds. What we do as tribes to heal ourselves in our own spiritual ways and uh, carry out this distribution program to the best interests of each tribe. And in in that uh, uh, context, I think that we need to look at the history of America, especially uh, with uh, with the example of uh, Black Wall Street. Uh, The the, uh, black people were doing very well in Oklahoma before Black Wall Street, but this is our predicament. We need to figure out how we're going to use this money to thrive and not become stuck in the quagmire of a federal government that uses divide and conquer to keep us down and not allow us to prosper and be in the the abundance and the joy that we quite deserve. Well, Mervyn, thank you for those comments. And Mervyn reiterates what Chairman Allen has, has mentioned, that it's really important that we have fairness and transparency with this whole distribution process for the settlement funds. And I want to bring Kevin Washburn back into the conversation. And Kevin, can you provide any further insights or uh, just speak to the to the process for, for how tribes will fairly divide these monies in the coming months? Yeah, and there's a process for that that's going to be very well thought out, and there's going to be opportunities for people to negotiate about that and complain if they don't like the process. There's a, there's a, a judge that's been actually hired to, to sort of sort through that, so um, make sure that, you know, there's it's something appropriate is reached. And people may not like it. You know, it's hard to please everybody, especially when you've got 574 tribes. Um, Mervin is right, though, that, you know, tribes, if they can come together, this is great. We're at the table now, right? The lawyers got the tribe to the table for these kinds of settlements. And this won't be the last one, even in the opioid space. But going forward, you know, whenever there are issues like this, you know, the tribes got left out of the tobacco settlement um, a couple of decades ago. And that's really, and tribes are really frustrated about that because they had harms uh, stemming from all of that. And so now they're at the table finally. And so if tribes can kind of come together um, and, and work through this, it'll, it'll really inert the benefit um, of tribes. One of the things that's being done in this program is making sure that tribes, tribes have to use the money to address opioid issues, but there are dozens and dozens and dozens of different ways they could use the money as long as they address the opioid. So it might be for one tribe, it might be addressing a treatment center, helping to support a treatment center. For another tribe, it might be more about prevention. Um, you know, for another tribe, it might be, look, we're worried about the children of the opioid users. And so we need money for housing and child services programs. So there's, but there's a lot of flexibility about how tribes use the money as long as it's related to opioid abatement. And tribes have different needs. So 
the, you know, the program is trying to be very flexible for, for tribes so that they can put it to good work. Well, Kevin, thank you for those further insights. And I want to bring Chairman Allen back into the conversation. Chairman Allen, Native people have suffered from the highest per capita rate of opiate overdoses, and they've had the highest drug overdose death rates uh, in 2015 and from 1999 to 2015 tribes have seen the largest percentage increase in the number of opiate related deaths over time compared to other racial and ethnic groups so these numbers tragically speak to this crisis in indian country and this really leads me to ask the question chairman allen where are we at now in this crisis with opiates have we turned a corner yet oh no uh we got a long ways to go to, to turn the corner um, there's the, the, the problem, the, the resources made available for tribes to proactively uh, deal with the, um, the, the addiction and dependency on opiates and other substances um, is, is rampant. Um, and a lot of it has to do with a lot of the socioeconomic conditions that tribes are struggling with. Um, all the tribes you're talking to, uh, you know, uh, they have, we have the highest un- unemployment rate uh, in America. You know, it, it, it ranges in the, it averages in the 30% range. Uh, you can go to Crow Tribe in Montana and they, their unemployment rate is 75, 80%. It's, it's it, you know those kind of conditions um, play into these addictions. Um, whether it's uh, whether whatever the reasons were caused, causing the individuals to, to lean to opiates and and other substances um, are, are are complicated. And so uh, we've got a long ways to go to, to make that happen. We're making good strides on primary care. But when you come to the social and, and physical dependency problems, uh, the resources are not the same. It's a different kind of resources, healthcare resources that are that play into it. And and going to uh, uh, Chair Yankton's comment, the, the cultural techniques to help as well. So it's complementing the, the new new age uh, healthcare services with cultural techniques in order to make it work effectively for the individuals and the families that are also become dependent or codependent okay. on the on the dependents. Okay. Different challenges, different resources, different strategies in the fight against the opiate crisis. That's all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank my guests, Lloyd Miller, Kevin Washburn, Chairman W. Ron Allen, Principal Chief Chuss Koskin Jr., and Chairman Douglas Yankton Sr. There's still a lot more time to learn about the topics of opiates and the legal settlement, so feel free to continue the discussion online. We're back tomorrow for a historical look at the Native connection to what was referred to as Black Wall Street in Oklahoma. We are live again at noon Central Time. I'm Sean Spruce. Thanks for listening.
Support by the American Indian College Fund. The American Indian College Fund provides millions of dollars of scholarships to thousands of Native students every year. Tribal citizens of every age and experience are eligible. Scholarship applications are now open for the upcoming school year at collegefund.org. That's collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Education is the answer. Are you a Native American healthcare provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin a seven-month advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online masterclass looks through the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach to provide powerful, proven modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is February 21st. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.